What's up, Warriors? I'm Kaylee. And I'm Betsy. And this is the Not Your Mama Pod. Hey there, it's Kaylee. Before we jump into today's episode about Endo Awareness Month, I want to give you a brief trigger warning. While we discuss our journeys to diagnosis, infertility, and miscarriage are referenced. If either of those are triggering to you, please feel free to skip this episode. If you're struggling with your mental health, please find a professional for help. You deserve it, and we love you. Hi, B. Hey, girl. What's happening? You know, just living the dream. How about you? Obviously. Same. (laughs) Same. Always. No other issues ever. Nope, nothing, nothing happening here. (laughs) Well, today is our episode in Endometriosis Awareness Month, so we will be talking a ton about endo, but before we jump into that, tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how the beans are going. I'm feeling good this week. Yeah. Which is very different than I felt last week. And tell them what you think you might have discovered about your mood swings. So I think that I have some like cyclical depression or like a uh, pre-ovulatory PMDD yeah so um I've been going into like some pretty bad depressive spells about 10 days before um my ovulation which is very hard to determine if you <laughs> don't have a period yeah um however I figured it out this time because um I had really sore boobs which that was always like a major sign for me, like almost immediately after ovulation. So are you still with- having some like endo-ish flare-up feelings? During- I have not. I have not had one flare-up since I started the bean protocol. Okay. Not at all. So I've had no pain, no cramps, no, uh, no bloating, no discomfort. Like I've been completely fine on that end. Okay. Um, okay. So it's been like just mental, my mental health has just been in the dumpster, honestly. Welcome to the club. Right. So I'm working with my acupuncture girl, lady, acupuncturist. (laughs) Um, And she's super knowledgeable on like estrogen dominance and like um, all of the, she treats a lot of people with endo and just Mm -hmm. has a, she's a wealth of information. So she kind of gave me a plan and um, I'm going to start taking some Chinese herbals <laughs> of some sort. So uh, she I ordered... love the way we approach our health. It's like, I know we both try, but we also like that's not right. But <laughs> I honestly, and I am, you know, that I'm the first to try to fix everything myself. And this time I was like, I don't know. I was like, do I need to go on antidepressants? Do I need to start yeah. therapy? Like what? what needs to happen and I'm sure both of those probably are also true but <laughs> well I'm really um, proud of you because I feel like your monthly dips started I mean it was started before your vacation it's it's been yeah, a couple it has six seven months maybe I would say it definitely September maybe yeah like they definitely started like pretty drastically dipping and I don't think I realized how bad it was I mean Um, Jim said the other day, he's like, I feel like it's been like more often lately. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I think you're right because I think it's happening on a monthly basis. And if I only am having like 15 days days where I'm not extremely depressed, I mean, that's you girl about it. An issue. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you also had like a lot of life changes, a lot of holidays, a lot of things going on in the early parts where it was easy to blame something else. But when your feelings don't go away or they're on clockwork, it's usually a big indicator that like something shifts. Yeah. And for us, our hormones play a huge role in how we feel mentally and it, you know, sure. we, we shift constantly. So I'm really yeah. proud of you for like trying to figure it out. I'm so happy to see you smile. I missed it. Deserve <laughs> that more often. <laughs> How are you? I definitely had some bad PMDD once again this month. Um, but I handled it really successfully, in my opinion. Like it sucks, but now I kind of go into PMDD with this like mindset that at least I understand what's going on and right. I can feel like I can shut things out with zero guilt. Where in yeah. the old me would have been like, no, I still have to be a hundred percent who I was. Um, and yeah. I focus inward and I always come out of them a little bit more proactive now. So yeah. I have started taking a lot of journaling. And if I'm journaling about the same things every three weeks, well, those are things that I need to address and not just ignore until it gets too bad. So For I survived sure. that. I had a period that sucked, but no more than it always sucks. And then Actually, I was driving home from the gym last night and I had a really random thought. So stick with me for just a second. I would watch shows or read books and I'd be like, man, these adults, like, yes, they have their family. Yes, they work. But like, they also like just enjoy life. And I don't feel like I've ever really understood that. Like, there's always a job to show up to that took too much of my life or illnesses or whatever. And I was driving home from the gym last night and I was like, man, I cannot wait for this summer because I'm going to be so free and so happy and I can't wait just have my windows down. And it's like, yeah, I'm still gonna, like, I still have a job, but like, that's just a thing I do. And then I go be me. Like, right. I feel like there's a path for happiness and that yeah. hope is new. So I think we're growing and we're healing. Maybe. I think what's important for me specifically is having a job I go to, I work my day and then I go home and I'm yeah. done like not jobs that carry over into your yeah personal life also. I think that's a personal decision though so yes I was on call for 24 7 365 in my first career but I chose to be that individual I do work a little bit every weekend I do get called once in a blue moon I have zero guilt going on do not disturb when I'm off yeah. work I have zero issues with leaving when my day is over um I take my lunch break every single day. I didn't know what lunch was for many years because to me, it's like, what value do I have if I don't enjoy who I am? I work to enjoy life. So yeah, you're right. I couldn't live for my career anymore, but at one point that was like a huge part of my identity. Right. If that was like like, your, your life, your thing. Yeah. And now I'm just like, man, uh, I do have an excision update though. I posted on this a little bit today. I saw that sucks <laughs> so speaking of lunch breaks I came home I like got my mail and there's a a medical bill and you know it's a medical bill and I was like yeah all right but I didn't know immediately like there was no emotional reaction I used to have severe anxiety I hate owing people and I have yeah. a lot of anxiety around money even in a good way I could be getting money and I still have anxiety and so, so I was can like, I ask you something like yeah and we can cut this out if you want to. Okay. Did you grow up? Did you grow up poor? No. Okay. Cause I, we grew up with like no money. And I think that's why I have a lot of money anxiety. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I'm, there's times, obviously, like, especially when I was young, when my parents were, cause my dad built himself and built his own money. And there's definitely times where it's tight, but was it ever noticeable to me? No, I have that privilege in the fact that I was always secure and I never felt like I went without what I think it stems from is we never discussed money. Money oh, was we didn't either. not conversational. There was no, yeah. like, this is how you do things, but there was a high expectation that you earned and made a yeah. life for yourself. On top of that, um, my parents split and there was some chaos between that when I was in high school. And there was a lot of mixed messagings from each parent where during that process or leading up to that process where there was a lot of expectations put on me at 15 to buy my own school clothes and do things like that. When you're getting into the terms of earning money, now that was manipulation and different things going on from a parenthood standpoint and not for me, but maybe that has something to do with it. Cause I, I do... I do remember the first time in high school, I remember having a panic attack about money. Now, granted, I got a job before I could drive. So I had to have my parents drop me off at work so I could work starting my freshman year of high school. I've worked since I was 14 or 15. My senior year, senior year, my dad and I were at the mall with my brother and he bought me a sweatshirt. And when we went up to the cash register, I was like hanging back so I could buy my sweatshirt. He's like, I'll, I'll buy it for you. And I was like, no. And I had a complete panic attack. Well, it turns out my dad didn't know he hadn't been buying my clothes for many, many years. Oh, and, like I thought that was my responsibility. So I didn't know how to handle him trying to purchase it. And it was a big emotional thing where like he obviously felt bad because he thought he'd been purchasing it. I explained that like clothes, going out, movies, everything I'd done since 15, I had paid for myself. Right. And so there's probably just some like mixed messaging and things like that, but I hate it. Probably things you need to work through in therapy. You know, we work on those things. Yes, I do. <laughs> this says, says the lady that won't go to therapy. I love you. Listen, so. listen, this was the closest I've gotten. <laughs> I'll be your therapist. My one friend does online therapy. Yeah. And I was like, maybe that's how I should do it. Because I feel like that gives me access to a broader range yeah. of people. It's way more important who you work with than how yeah. you work with them, I've learned. And honestly, I didn't start going to therapy until I was like, okay, well, my self-healing has no more skill sets. Like yeah. if I could well, still micromanage it enough to get to the next day, I would have never went back. I'm not even going to lie to you. I think part of mine too, is I was like driving the other day and I will not let myself cry like ever, like will not. And I was like, is there something wrong with me if I cannot cry? And I'm sure that there is, but I'm like, Definitely, I feel like no, but if you're suppressing your emotions, oh, I am, I'm sure I've been suppressing my emotions for a very long time. <laughs> so that's probably why I cannot cry, like when I'm actually upset. I don't know. Ugh. So those are things that we'll figure out at some point. Right now, I just need to get to a baseline. <laughs> there was like a little part of me that was like, I feel so good that you cry when you leave me. <laughs> like, right, my, my, like my selfishness. I was like, it's like realistically I cry occasionally when I'm tired like if I'm yeah. like haven't slept in many many days and when I left Myrtle Beach those are the times I can remember crying and that is pr there's probably something wrong with me <laughs> so I I used to be like you like I yeah. literally never cried and I have a lot of traumatic events in my life where I, I can remember when I stopped crying um but now Kaylee cried yesterday 
Like, yeah, <laughs> I just have emotions and now I'd rather feel them and express them and get yeah. them out. I am a huge component for therapy and working on yourself. Um, but I also know everybody's journey is different and yeah. however it works for you and goodness gracious, the costs of everything. I'm also afraid if I, if I start, then I'm going to be one of those people who cry. <laughs> Yeah, you will be. I am now. It, it just happens. And I'm also not really interested in that. I promise it's not as bad as it sounds, though, because I also smile a lot more. Like, there's no like that. That's is. fair. You do. Uh, back to the bill, though. So I, I didn't have oh, anxiety. Yeah. So I was like, oh, grow. But yeah, I opened up another bill, which I kind of thought excision was paid off. You know, seven months, nothing in my insurance claims. I was like, OK, we're good. Yeah. Um, and I got you were a, like diligent about checking it. Too. Diligent about checking it. I had the ones for my doctors. I had the, well, I paid everything out of pocket for my doctors. I had the surgery center. Like, I was like, okay, this, this must be all. Yeah. Um, and you know, everything's astronomical and whatever. So I opened up a bill today and it's like two grand for anesthesia. And I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> How can they send it seven months later? Yeah. Let's get, let's get, let's get to the nitty gritty because also I called my insurance. Cause I was like, at this point, it is what it is. It's worth me living. Right. The emotional tie I have to giving my money away from my health has been kind of beaten to the ground this last year. So also, like, there's there's nothing you can do about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's a bill. bill. So it's I was like, okay, fine. But then I like started looking at it. And I was like, insurance didn't pick up any anesthesia. Like that is odd to me. I know yeah. I have coverage for that. So I called my insurance company on my way back from lunch and they're like, yeah, we have no claims for this. And so then I called the anesthesia company and they're like, like literally I go, Hey, um, I have a bill and I just need to check that it went to my insurance. My insurance says they have no claim. And she goes, huh, can you give insurance information? I might see an issue. Like literally 10 seconds into the call, they didn't even bill it to my insurance. Which Seven is crazy. months. That they've just been sitting on. On top of that, it says my insurance provider is my primary, self-pay is my secondary. And they just sent it to like the wrong address or the wrong unit or something. But I was like, yeah, okay, so I guess we're going to rebuild that and see seven months how much I and, actually owe. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not $2,000. Yeah, I mean, it can't get worse, right? I already accepted the price, but. Right, it is. It really is what it is. But still, so, I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice to not owe that money, I'm sure. It'd also be nice to know like, I'm done. Like that brought my engagement and to my personal health to almost like 20 grand in 2022. At this point, maybe we should just get to 2200. So that way I could just be like 2022 and like never forget how much I invested. (laughs) The year for it. That being said, uh, before we start jumping into endometriosis and all the stuff going on, let's do two things. Let's preface with we love you all. We will have content coming out all March, but we ain't diving in the same capacity we oh, did last year. Sorry, we do not, not sorry. have the mental capacity for it. No. I'm sorry. We just don't. We don't. And number two, because it'll be said later and we're not going to go into the nitty gritty of endo and symptoms and all the stuff. We just kind of want to give an update. If you need those, go back to our old podcast. We talked about definitions. We talked about symptoms. We talked about surgeries. We talked about all that stuff. Um, yeah. But before we jump in, I do want to say excision surgery is the gold standard. It is not affordable. It's not accessible. And we are really being let down by the medical system still. So facts, we're not going to say that. But do you want to start out with 
giving people um, the most up-to-dated definition of endometriosis because, you know, Google still has it wrong? Yes. So the definition is endometriosis is a systemic inflammatory disease characterized by the presence of endometrial-like tissue found in extra uterine sites. So shout out not to, within your uterus. Yes. Is important. It is. And big shout out to uh, in 16 years, Amy, she actually was our last guest. I use her stuff. I think I said that in the podcast. I use yeah. her stuff for all the definitions and things like that, because I know it's somebody who truly cares to make sure they're doing the research and putting it out there. Um, endometriosis and adenomyosis are two separate things. I think that still gets very, very, very confused. And we will talk about adenome more in April because there is a time frame for April to recognize it. But uh, let's start with the negative so we can get to the positive about our experiences. But what is something that you feel like you still have a badge of honor for or feel like the need to shout out that people still don't understand? The thing that I will always, always, always say is that there is no cure. There are yeah. people still saying that they can cure your endometriosis, that they can heal you, whatever. There is no cure for endometriosis. A hysterectomy is not a cure. I am a living example of that. I still have endometriosis and I have no uterus. I agree. Um, I think that's what I actually explained to somebody today. Like, yeah, I feel better from excision, but I don't feel good yet yeah. I still have a lot of work to do it's chronic there's no cure I still have a lot of people in my like close like family that yeah. doesn't understand why I don't just feel better like a hundred percent because they're like you had your you know you had your uterus removed you had well that doesn't mean it's gone yeah are you fixed yet so nope. that's hard for me um if I were to recap and I think we're just gonna kind of talk about about what endo means to us and how our lives have been impacted. I feel like the last year has been extremely, extremely impactful for me, not only with the investment into my health, but my knowledge around how I'm going to live going forward with a chronic illness. Um, I, I still know there's no cure. I still know that I am in pain because of it. I still have a lot of resentment towards the medical community because sure. I fully understand that my infertility could have been handled in a different way if endo had been handled differently. I do know people let me down. I do know surgeries have been botched because of lack of knowledge, all these things. I mean, today I had a tyrant because I pay insurance. I used to work at a company that had its own insurance and I still can't seem to make the cut to get help. So there's a lot of feelings of like, you're doing us wrong, but for now it's more of a, I know I can make my life better. Yeah. I know that I can't cure endo. I know I can't get rid of it, but I know, and I have walked out lifestyle changes that make my quality of life better. Right. For sure. So I feel a lot more like, okay, with this sentence, it doesn't yeah. feel like a death sentence. I think, um, I even had this conversation with my husband just like a few days ago like what, what the difference in my life could have been like, if I would have been diagnosed, like when I first started complaining about my period yeah. at, you know, eight, well, younger than 18, but I, when I started going to the doctor at 18, yeah. so, you know, like how could my life have been different? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'll never know. Thankfully, yeah. not thankfully, but you know, which is good. I, it's acceptance. Yeah. And, um, 
but I'm really grateful for the things that I've learned along the way. Yeah. Because right now I'm managing my symptoms and I'm managing the inflammation in my body and I'm just trying to get a better quality of life for sure. And had I not had like that, Hey, this is what's actually like that real diagnosis. Like this is what is in your body and understanding that it's something that I will live with forever. Um, I don't know that I would be so proactive in taking care of myself. I agree. And I think I still struggle with acceptance from the outside world. So I still feel like a nuisance. Like I still feel like, oh, the fact that I can't eat pizza at dinner with everyone, I feel empowered to leave and go get food I can. But I also feel like it just, it isn't, there isn't enough done for me. And I still struggle with that. But the empowerment and the willing to still, even though I have those hesitations, still, even though I feel like a burden, I'm going to invest in my body and eat right and do all the right things because I deserve to feel better. And these are the cards I was dealt. Yeah, no, I will even say like um, we had um, an open opening thing to go to last week. So the they're always very considerate about like dietary restrictions. And Mm -hmm. um, so there's a a couple that always goes that's a vegan that vegan are vegan and then obviously I'm gluten-free so she did order a gluten-free pizza for mm. me but it still had cheese on it so I was like I will not say a word so I just like scraped scraped off my little pile of cheese and I was like it's fine I'll just eat the rest yeah. but it is so it people underestimate how good it makes you feel when you are thought of like and how how bad it makes you feel when you're not I I, I truly had a meltdown over the weekend because yeah, I drove five hours, spent time and money to find out right before I got there that the dinner menu was pizza. And I was like, okay, well, I can't, I contemplated eating it, to be honest. Like I contemplated eating it. And then I was like, you know what? No, these people, this isn't new. They've yeah. ate with me since I've had these restrictions. So I'm just going to not say anything. I'm not, I, I don't want to be combative. I'm just not going to say anything and I'm going to leave. And so I left to go take care of my dog, ordered fajitas of all my specifications, picked right. them up, ate them. I showed up to breakfast the next day and there's literally one item that I could kind of eat. And I was like, I'm not going to eat. <laughs> and now I, I left and learned. Now I'm going to meal prep. feel like you're not important enough. And then like the pressure, like to get looked at afterwards and be like, hey, are you going to eat? I, I can't. Yeah, I literally will not feel good if I eat any of this stuff. <laughs> I can't. Okay, yeah. well, what are you going to eat on your way home? That's a solid question that I also can't. Yeah. Um. So now I'm in this point where I'm deficient, where I'm really trying to nourish my body and I'm gonna have to make up for it. But lesson learned. Yeah. Next time I'm gonna, I'm gonna pack food, you know, cause I'm in Kansas city. I'm used to being able to go to the store or go to a place that can find something. Right. Couldn't, nothing was open. So uh, I, it, it's empowering, but it's also like those people that do look out for you. My stepmother who builds, menus around my specifications I'm just like thank you I appreciate that uh in case somehow we got a new listener and they decided this was the episode to jump into you know because we're (laughs) end of babes and we're awesome let's do cliff note rundown of our endo journey so symptom diagnosis what your journey's been like like what highlights to you just just so they can relate and then you guys can go listen to both of our specific stories yeah the first couple episodes um I had really bad periods from the time my period started like um terrible cramps 
vomit all of the time. Like I was really, really physically sick every single month. Um, as I got older, obviously my pain became more frequent. Um, we tried to have a baby for almost seven, six years and um, were obviously unsuccessful. And then I was having really bad chronic pain every single day. Um, I was not diagnosed. And then I had to fight really, really hard for a diagnosis and finally got someone to listen to me. And then I had both of my fallopian tubes removed because of damage. Um, one of my ovaries and uh, my uterus, which is not a cure. Let's no. say that again. But I also had an adenomyosis. Which you have to take the uterus from. Yes, so that is a cure for that. <laughs> Um, so that is the general gist of it. And since your hysterectomy, yeah, you so I had my hysterectomy. some relief. Yes. I had my hysterectomy in 2020 and I think I had about a year and a half of feeling really good. Um, and then I slowly was getting just random flare ups here and there and my chronic fatigue came back very full force. Um, and then since then my other ovary started failing. Mm -hmm. So I went into perimenopause. <laughs> so it's not just like endo. It's like everything that comes along with endo too. Well, it speaks to endo is a full body disease. It is. Not treating it for many years causes other areas that are related or organs touched or anything because our body has been in survival mode. There's, there's stomach impact. Head to yes. toe. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that is pretty much the general gist of my story, though. Yeah. For me, I had bad periods from the jump, but was put on birth control super young um, when I was super naive. And that's a blessing and a curse. The birth control band-aid uh, made it through college where I could at least suffice. First time I really remember flares, I was driving and I pulled over hysterically crying because of stabbing pain down there. I just could not fathom what was going on. I thought something was like, man, if that would have been in my chest, I would have thought I had a heart attack. For sure. Breakthrough bleeding, my stress yeah. making everything worse. Like everything was bad. Not to mention, I went through infertility for a very long time. I, trigger warning, did get pregnant, had a miscarriage, unexplained. And after I lost my baby girl, I just lost complete control of my body bleeding yeah. for 60 90 days ended up having a laparoscopic ablation in february of 2021 never really felt that much better which led me to ex excision surgery last july of 2022 oh, that's um, a lot of trauma between i know us. that's why i was like i'm just gonna like really really cliff notes this but i was like how do i just talk about the big things um i think it's important for me to mention that my surgery so my first initial surgery was just to get my fallopian tubes out because we yeah. thought those were the issue um and so my regular my surgery was done by an ob not an excision specialist and um as a reminder that's very important to yeah but it's not accessible. So there's no shame. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Like, you know, it's, it's important to note that not everyone can access uh, an excision specialist and that sucks. Like that yeah. really sucks. Or afford it. 
and on top of it, it yeah just so we are being a little due diligent i'm sure there's no way we can hit everything on endo and the importance that's why this month's important that's why it's important that you follow some accounts we'll tag some really influential accounts we will share as much as we can too like honestly we will share as much but we will not we're just not going to do an every single day yeah plus there's better mouthpieces for it we told our stories at this point now it's time for you to know the data but why excision is so important is number one, it's the gold standard surgery. So it's the only one that takes the endometriosis that's grown in your body out, not just burn it away. So it comes right back. Number two, they are the only, if you find an excision specialist, now let me say that really loud, an excision specialist, not an OBGYN, not a reproductive endocrinologist that does excision, an excision specialist with an excision uh, center, they have training on how to classify endo so that they say if you're a stage one stage four they're going by more of a streamlined data point where there's there's no real qualifications out there so not only could you get misdiagnosed with endo being missed you could get the wrong stage being diagnosed um they also look for endo in a lot more areas of your body where a a traditional OBGYN wouldn't which we all know that's super important because we have friends that are losing bladders out there and things like that yeah, your bladders, you know, your your rectum, your uh, they have thoracics, so it can be on your lungs, it can be every literally everywhere. Full body disease. The everywhere only place you on can't have it, it is your be. teeth. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> I say yet. Okay, so because we want to make sure you guys know that endo doesn't go away, it's chronic, it won't leave our lives. We do want to participate with Endometriosis Awareness Month every single year. This year yeah. we're going to do it a little bit differently. B, I have a new game for you. I'm so glad this is how love the podcast has came. Yeah. <laughs> so I randomly asked so many of our followers and our friends two questions. I asked them why Endo Awareness Month is important to them and what has Endo taught to you? I think it's important to note that I never know what Kaylee is doing. <laughs> Full trust. That's the only reason this works. Full trust. <laughs> We're extremely great partners here that she just does everything and I just show up. Pause and recognize though, like we did not know each other and we just peanut butter and jelly. We we go together. (laughs) So I asked these questions on our podcast and on my own IG page. Like I didn't even respect you being involved. I said, hey, give me your answers. And then I wrote them out. To be and fair, I, I wasn't in a great mind space to be involved. So thank this you. This is true. Two chronic illness PMDD babes. We don't gravitate at the same time sometimes. No. Some of us are slow. Some of us are vibrating. So we just do it. Anyway, so I wrote out their responses. I put them in a bowl. We're only going to read a couple of them. We potentially could hit one question, and not the other. Yeah. What I'm going to do with these answers, though, is throughout March, because we aren't obligating ourselves to say this is my first symptom every single day what we are going to do is share some of our friends reasons why they're important or what they've learned because we want to be positive we want to push out for sure good come from this so i'm gonna read one you're just gonna react they i mean some of them might be like yeah you're right but i want to get some of my voices out and we'll we'll name our friends here so the first one there's a bunch of them in that bowl too like you did some work (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we just have really amazing friends. We do. It's true. Okay. So this one's from Julie. Um, at Julie underscore Biscotti. She says, this is one thing she has learned. The body really does keep the score. My oh. needs and my desires matter more than pleasing others. 
facts on facts. I could, yes, there's so much trauma stored in the body. Like I can't even react more than just saying a hundred percent. I know some of these are just like, yes, queen. Yeah, <laughs> I just absolutely. want people to know it. Next one is from Liz at South Asian Survivor. Hey girl, hey. Queen. Uh, this one's regarding why endometriosis awareness month is important. It says, I found my excision surgeon because of IG endo awareness month. Wow. I had no idea. She probably has had the most in-depth in excision surgery team of anyone I know. And yeah. I have no idea it came from IG. Yeah, I I remember her talking about it, but it's that's why it's so important for us to talk about it because who knows who you're impacting. Oh, this one's from Nikki, a fellow turtle. Aww. Her IG is at our story unfolding. Uh, she says she's learned how to advocate no matter what it's for and to be gracious with myself because I have a chronic illness. Uh, Endo taught me how to how incredible others are Endo warrior community is bad. <laughs> darn, darn tootin'. Darn tootin'. <laughs> so this one is from Jess at Endosista, AZ. Um, endometriosis taught me real pain, more about my body than desired, and has caused grief, pain, heartache, and devastation. Oh my goodness. That is 100% true. And we know you're a boss queen spreading information too, just so. I also feel like that's why she's so compassionate and empathetic yes. and caring. Like, I'm sure you were that way in some capacity before this disease, but I do know you, in your times of grief, you help others and that's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I cannot um, say enough how wonderful she is at reaching out and just making sure you're okay, so- we love I you. I love all of you guys. Yeah, every one of you. Uh, Amy at N16 Years of Endo says, Endo Awareness Month is important because it's the time of year when endo gets the most visibility by people who don't have it. True. Because like, I even would share stuff on my personal Instagram that I normally wouldn't have shared. Yeah. Uh, ever until last year. So Next one is from Laura at Every Babe Club. She said, Endo has taught her how to advocate with doctors and in life in general. Again, For sure. We have That's, had to learn to speak up. Yeah. That, I mean, I had to find my voice too. I mean, it it was a huge thing. I literally just pulled my favorite one to end with. Okay. Not planned. This was truly organic, but... Uh, the last one is with my girl, Rita. Her IG is at Radiate with Rita. If you don't listen to her podcast yet, Radiate with Rita is live. Um, Endo has taught her resilience and her true potential in life. Facts. And she is killing it too. Yeah, she is. I advocate for my babes that are doing things and making the world better. And she's one of them, but she is for sure. I, I feel that one really deep down. Like I feel like my potential was not aligned with who I really was before endo yeah well before I knew of endo <laughs> yeah she was there <laughs> right yeah she was she was there all along but I do have just changed the way that you look at yourself and other people and all of the things for sure I do have a ton more um all is impactful what I'm gonna do like I said throughout the month I'm gonna 
post them on our IG page. I already teased that a little bit. I will tag the beautiful, amazing, strong, resilient, powerful, life-changing endo babe that gave me their thoughts. If you want to send one in, maybe I didn't ask you because I just randomly asked people in their DMs. If you have one, you want to share DM at not your mama pod and we'll add it and we'll share it to the um, public as well. Cause I think we all have a story and a lesson to learn. And she didn't ask me either guys. So don't feel no. bad if you didn't get asked. No, I, I genuinely <laughs> just didn't care what you thought. <laughs> I'm just here to wing it every single week. Ah, <laughs> uh, so we did this one episode totally off the hinges, totally just freaking spiring where we talked about stories and reddits and YouTubes. Yeah. And now this cool thing has happened where our friends are sending me things Ooh. to react to. Okay. So we're going to do the first one of those today, but I also want to open it up. If you guys have a kidless, kid-free, endo thing, chronic illness thing, you come across it online. You want us to talk about it as in Kaylee reads and Betsy just like, reacts and then I, <laughs> I say yes, please send them to uh, Journey to Fix My Lady Box because Betsy does see oh, our I have access. Yeah, I have access to the <laughs> podcast IG, so don't send them there because I'll read I mean, them. if you do, we'll still talk, but okay. yeah, send them over to me because or text them to me because this is gold. So I got a text that says, OMG, so I'm in Disney Tips and Tricks group for their trip or her trip coming up in March. And there's a whole thread about a mom getting on the bus and no one offering her her seat because she had children with her. Then someone said the mom should have asked someone for their seat when other people got on the bus before her. Made me think of your pod. Like just because you have a kid at Disney doesn't make you entitled. Okay. I do have questions though. Like (laughs) I have no context, but I can make, I know like, okay. I think if the mom, and I don't even know why this matters. Maybe it doesn't. I think if the mom is pregnant, you should. You should offer your seat because who knows. But I think if you're just like hanging out with your kids, like riding a bus or whatever, yeah. how long are you going to be on that bus? Like, So yeah, five? I don't think she's pregnant by the context I got. But that is an interesting thought. Um, I, think I don't think you're entitled. Like, like oh. I don't think you're entitled to it. I think it if it was me, I might be like, Hey, do you need to sit, sit down? Mostly to get your kids out of the aisle way, like, to get, or like, <laughs> can you get your child away from me? Here, no, not to get them away from, but you know, like to like, maybe like make them not just yeah. like hang out in the aisle. I don't know. That's hard though, but, but I don't think it's right to feel like she's entitled to. So here's my thing. Okay. Do I think that it would be a very kind and respectful gesture to give a mother a seat for sure i'm the first to give anybody that could use a seat beyond me a seat i also don't judge anyone who doesn't give up their seat because i also know how bad my body has been and standing would have been absolute terror to me so it's a personal decision yeah you don't know how everyone's health who's sitting is really I look at it in the same capacity as I'm going to hold the door open for you. And if you hold it up from, for me, I'm going to say, thank you. Not everybody yeah. has those same manners. Right. Right. So no, Which I don't. Which is annoying and I hate. Oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> so mad. If you catch me out drinking 
when I rarely do that anymore and someone doesn't say thank you, you can see all of my happiness just straight. I'm, sure. I'm like, <laughs> so, so like any friends like me, that's going to be like, that was nice of you. I'm like, yes, it was. And then we keep yeah. going. Uh, so number one, I just don't think it's an obligation. No. Is it a kind gesture to do for sure? Now, you got to remember this all stemmed from somebody posting because they were mad it didn't happen. Yeah. I think that's See, that's, that's what I do think is weird because that feels like entitlement to me. It does. Like just because you have kids, like you're more entitled to a seat than anybody else. That doesn't really seem fair. It plays with um, the same mindset that you're more tired because you're taking care of a human. And yeah. I'm not narking that you're tired. Tired. You probably are. That That's exhausting when I'm around children. Yeah. You don't know what everybody else got going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think, I don't like the entitlement. It's, I'm not into it. No. But that being said, I do know B would be the first to give up her seat to anyone. Oh, needs, so. I would. I I absolutely would do She's my actually best. even that way to me. Like, hey, do you want to sit? You're just, you're just a sweet one. So uh, don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to feel obligated. <laughs> I have so much street cred. <laughs> oh, that's mean oh yeah I don't know I think it just wraps up to entitlement I don't like how society puts those with kids above others without a question or any sort of grace or empathy given so that is our reaction to that I just wanted to know real quick if this is professional how I'm like (laughs) honestly my favorite moment has been when your arms are inside your sweatshirt and I'm not sure what you're doing but you no longer have arms in your sleeves I was just undoing my bra. <laughs> so knew it. That being said, B, tell me something you're looking forward to. Let's talk about some positive. And if you can tie to endo bonus points, but you don't have to. Um, I am looking forward to giving my healing journey over to someone else. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so Thanks silly. Though. That's so big of you. It is because I perhaps have some control issues occasionally. No. Once, and it's because I know my body and I know what works best for my body and I know how it feels. So I think that's what I'm really looking forward to is that someone else has physically given me a plan and like, I will be very curious to see how I feel and yeah. I'm hoping it's better. What about you? Um, I'm just grateful that I'm going to do things for my soul this year. So for sure hugging my turtles and multiple different like things 90 days or something yeah. or no not even like 60, 60 days. something days now also um manny bears coming to see me in like Ooh. a week so hugging my turtles as much as i can i am if you aren't part of my monthly happy hours i don't know what you're doing you're missing out but I am inviting a group of women from those happy hours to come to Kansas City to hang out. No plans, just another turtle-like trip. And I'm excited for it. I um, don't have to control myself. I do the most sometimes. And it's not about that. But I just like the idea of connection with people who understand. And I love the opportunity to be in people's lives that have allowed me to be in them. So between that, between trips, between seeing you... I just, I'm excited. And then at some point, like, I'm going to go somewhere warm. So it's going to be a good year. I'd like that. That'd be nice. That'd be be nice. You can tag along. I'll give you my itinerary. If you guys don't know, I like be enough that anytime I go anywhere, I also automatically text and be like, you want to go? Do you want to go? (laughs) And we are doing that. 
later in the summer. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm joining your trip. I'm so excited. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited about. I do have some big things in my family that I think in the past would have been like more monumental. My little niece is graduating high school. Mm, my, <laughs> my oldest nephew is graduating high school this is year that too. weird? It is. It's, I can remember the day he was born. So me it too. really messes with me. And the fact that he, he just turned 18. Yeah. He's going to turn 18 is insane to me. Yeah. My niece turns 18 in April, graduates in May. Um, but to be honest, I am so happy I'm where I am in life where I'm yeah. just excited to see her grow and become her own person. And sure. I'm proud of her. And there's no sad feelings. Like I don't feel like I'm missing out anymore. So yeah. it's going to be a beautiful rest of the year. I am thankful for you. Thankful for our friends. Same. What has this been? This has been actually probably a fairly good episode of <laughs> the Nacho Mama pod. <laughs> Bye. Bye.